God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. Praise the Lord. Morning, everybody. October 29th, 2023. Um, when we got here for church, we were almost at the high temperature for the day because it was already 41. It's supposed to get up to 43. Praise God. Those listening online, we still have leaves on the trees, and they're colorful, but there's a whole bunch of brown spots, a whole bunch of bare spots, a whole bunch of colorful piles on the ground. In fact, just looking out of the windows of the, uh, the front door, I can see the road, and I can see a, a solid carpet of leaves on the ground out there. So, fall is definitely here. The seasons are changing. And I don't know about you, but I remember with the seasons changing that it's a, a uh, fulfillment of God's promise. After the flood, when God set his bow in the clouds, he said, while the, while the earth stands, summer and winter and springtime and harvest shall not cease. The changing of the seasons is the fulfillment of God's promise on this earth. And the little things, uh, remember years and years ago, uh, I was down by the Missiscoy down at the boat launch. Missiscoy River uh, runs through Swanton. And down, I was by the boat launch there on Route 78, and I was watching the water come up. It was spring. The ice was breaking up, and great big chunks of ice are flowing down the river. And I had never seen anything like that. You don't have a whole lot of that in South Florida, or even in Virginia for that matter. And I was watching, and as I was amazed, as these great big chunks of ice are floating down the river, and all of a sudden this guy says, Hey, buddy, you better get out of there. I'm like, okay. He knows what he's doing. I'm not from here. So I hop in the, hopped in the car, and before I could get out of the parking lot, the river had come up enough that the parking lot was underwater in just that Two minutes from the time he hollered until that time I was in my car. But I was, I was sitting there by the river watching these big chunks of ice. I was amazed at the power of God. Because each and everything around us was created by the Almighty. Our very lives are in His hands. He is the one who gives us our breath he is the one who knows all of our days. The psalmist said, all of my days were written in your book forever any of them were. And God is the one who knows the end from the beginning. I want to talk this morning about being fully persuaded, not only of who God is, but to be fully persuaded that he is faithful. That as God has made declaration toward us, he is faithful to complete it. He is faithful to fulfill it. It doesn't matter what our circumstances are. It doesn't matter what we face or what we go through. We are, in, we are engraved in the palms of God. He loves us and He cares for us. And every breath we take on this earth is a gift of God. The very air that we breathe is a gift from Him. And when our days are over, when we draw that final breath, we are still in the arms of God. We still have that promise and we still have that, that uh, hope and expectation to look forward to. First off, start in Acts 26, beginning with verse 24. Uh, 
Paul has been arrested in Jerusalem and he is appealed to Caesar, but first they send him to King Agrippa and Festus, who is a governor, is there with him in the area, or with, with Agrippa, and as they're talking, and, and Paul is giving his testimony and, and talking, about, uh, talking about this God, talking about this Jesus. And verse 24 says, Now as he made his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes your attention, since this thing was not done in a corner King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. Paul, as he laid out his testimony, as he preached a message before them, as he shared all about, all about God, he says, first off, King Agrippa, you knew about this. This happened around you. Remember, uh, Jesus was taken, as he was taken before um, the high priest, and he was taken, he was sent, sent to Herod. So the king knows about this, knows about the things that happened in this area. This is a few years later when Paul is talking, but not many. As Paul is, is, is talking to, to the king Agrippa, he said, you know about these things. It's not a surprise. This wasn't done in a corner. So as, as Paul is saying this, he said, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. But Agrippa wasn't ready to say that. He says, almost. You almost persuaded me. I have a big fear in this world, not, not me personally, but uh, dealing with people that are almost persuaded. You almost talked me into it. If you're just listening to my words and not listening to the Spirit of God behind it, you're going to miss. You're going to be almost persuaded. Paul talking before before uh, King Agrippa. And Agrippa said, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Oh, to come so close. Oh, to have regrets in life. How would you like to almost make it? Not me. Paul, as he shared his heart, Paul was convinced. In another place he says, I know and am persuaded that that he is able to keep that which I have uh, committed to him. God is going to take care of it. Um, Elliot, Jim Elliot, um, a missionary to South America who was killed uh, trying to minister to a, to a tribe of headhunters. Before he left, before he went on that trip, he said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to get that which, you can, uh, that which you cannot lose. We can't keep our lives. We can't keep any of it. If, if all my life, if all our lives, if all any of our lives is a gift from God, the very breath, all of our days are numbered, however many there are, 
We don't know what that number is. All we can do is seek the face of God and become fully persuaded that he is able to do that which he says he's able to do. Romans 4, beginning with verse 19, talking about the faith of Abraham, how Abraham became the father of faith. And go down at verse 19, it says, And not being weak in the faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver in the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in the faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham is the first person in the Bible we read about who God had promised a child in their, in their old age, and God fulfilled that promise. But John the Baptist's father also got such a promise. Believing that God is able to do what he said he's able to do. Mary, uh, when the angel came to her, said she would conceive and bring forth, a son, uh, bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel. She said, how shall this be, seeing as I know not a man? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And she said, let it be unto me according to your word. God's able to... If God is able to speak light, and as was light, he's able to form the heavens and the earth. Heavens, the earth was without form and void, and darkness moved upon the face of the deep. It tells us in Genesis, and God said, let the waters gather into one place and let the dry land appear. God put it all into place. That God is able to do whatever he says he's, he wants to do. Whatever he says he's going to do, God is able to do it. Are we fully trusting in that? Uh, Abraham here was trusting that God was able to give a son. Your son, you know, Isaac is not going to be, or yeah, Ishmael is not going to be your son. Is, is not going to be the heir. Isaac will be the heir. You'll have another son. And then, after... after uh, Isaac is born, and uh, he's, he's starting to get a little bit older. God says, take him to Mount Moriah and sacrificing to me there. Take him. So him and, and Isaac and the servants, and they went, and the servants, he left the servants there, and they went on. And he's got Isaac carrying the wood for the fire that he was going to put him on. Isaac says, Lord, we have the, or he said, Father, we have the wood and we have, we have the, the, the fire, but where is the lamb? And Abraham said, the Lord himself will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. He says, I don't know what God's going to do, but God's already said the pro that through you, my son, my children will be as the stars of the heavens and as the sand by the seashore. I don't know how God is going to work this out. But I know he's going to do it. The Lord himself will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. The Lord himself will provide the sacrifice. How's he going to do it? I don't know. In our own lives, as we look at what God has promised, as we look at the things going on in our, in our, in our world, as we look at, at the, the turmoil, as we look at all the things that are happening, do we, tr do we trust, do we, do we try to figure out how God is going to do it? <laughs> I do. 
I don't understand what God is doing sometimes. I don't understand how He's doing what He's doing. But I know that God is faithful. In... Um, in the book of Revelation, where, where John talks, John writes down talking about the mark in the right hand or in the forehead. And you take a look at that, it's like, what is that even going to look like? Well, with modern technology, you can get a chip, and they have, they have chips that are already being implanted. There's a guy, uh, I've mentioned this before, I don't know if, I don't know how long ago, so I don't know who all has heard it, but there's a guy in Oregon who was getting married. And because he had his house set where the locks keyed off the RFID chip in his hand to open the doors and do everything to get into the house, it didn't have regular keys, it was fancy, fancy locks. His wife was going to have to get one of those chips in her hand so she could actually get in the house. I read this article, what are you talking about? This mark in the right hand or in their forehead. Talking about uh, uh, people getting a chip embedded in their jaw that, that's RFID readable, it has their medical records and has different information. We see all of these things, you're like, wait a minute. John said way back then this was coming and the technology 2,000 years later is catching up with prophecy. How's God going to do what he said he's going to do? I don't know. But as I see the world going, I see things beginning to line up. Back um, before Israel was carried away into captivity the second time, um, God talked about bringing them back into the land. Like, how in the world is that going to happen? Well, 1948, Israel became a nation again. What did it take to get there? Horrible, horrible things. Yet through it, God was still at work. Through the wickedness of men, God is still at work. God's sovereignty even takes into account my failures and your failures. I am fully persuaded. I am fully convinced. I know that God is fulfilling His word. Because I see it all around me. Romans 14, beginning with verse 1. says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. In other words, you have, you're interacting with, with brothers and sisters, maybe from a different group, maybe a different denomination, maybe a different whatever. And there's some differences in how we see things. There's some differences in how to do it. I know one group that, um, because back in the garden, they were given every fruit, every tree bearing fruit, and the grains of the field, and for them, it sh for you it shall be meat. So that was, they'll only eat fruits and vegetables. And that's a religious thing with them. That's what the Bible says in that passage. So that's what they, they go by. So they won't eat meat. Praise God. More for me. I'm good with that. <laughs> But I have to come to, a, to a, an understanding that just because I don't see things the exact same way they do doesn't mean either of us is wrong. That's just where they're at, and I'm fine with that. And carry on. For he who believes you may, for one, for one believes you may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. 
bad choice of words there. I wouldn't go with one who is weak, one who is otherwise disposed, one who hasn't thought things the rest of the way through. I don't know about one who is weak, but that's still what the Bible says. The Word of God is true. I'm not disputing the Word of God. But I'm a semantics guy, so I would, would have used different words at that. But let him who eats, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. The point Paul is making is let each person be fully, con- in fact, I'm just going to read that in just a minute, be fully convinced. Um, many of you know, I don't celebrate Christmas. I have reasons out of Scripture. I don't celebrate Christmas. However, if somebody wants to lead something for Christmas here in this church, I will support you. I will help you. Uh, Rich, who is the one who puts the uh, messages up online for us and and, uh, used to be the praise and worship leader, he would set up Christmas caroling. And we'd go with him. We'd help him out. I'm perfectly happy to come alongside. I just won't lead it. You know, I'm happy to, to discuss the reasons with anybody, but that's not, that's not really my point right now. What I'm saying is each of us has our own convictions and our own understanding of things from Scripture. And it may not be the same as everybody else. But if we were all exactly the same, it'd be like Stepford Wives. You know, be like automatons. But we are all different. We are all unique individuals. And God uses us, puts us together, forms us into the body of Christ to strengthen and to encourage one another. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. Go back to verse 3. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not him who does not eat judge him who, who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand because God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in their own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat... To the Lord he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And for this sin Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. God has made each and every one of us unique. Each and every one of us are different. Praise God, y'all don't look like me. I look enough like my dad, I could never be handsome. But God is at work in each and every one of us, and we're all critical, critically important to one another, to the body of Christ. So our goal is to lift one another up, to edify one another, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another. Because there are people that you know, there are people in your spheres of influence, there are people in your circle that will listen to what you have to say that will never listen to anything I have to say. And there are people in your sphere of circle that will not listen to you but might listen to me. 
But if we're not coming together, if we're not encouraging one another, if we're not standing in unity, how are we going to make the connection? How are we going to interact? Down in uh, Pennsylvania, I was at a, uh, a pastor's conference, a, uh, actually it was a thing with our ministry group, and there was a guy there, bald head, big beard, white t-shirt, jeans, the motorcycle wallet, you know, with the chain hooked to the belt, tattoos all up and down his arms. He's the pastor of the local biker church, and they'll listen to him. Because he's one of them. He came from that, in the midst of that. They have church service on Thursday because Sunday is for riding a motorcycle. So you can't get him in a church on Sunday. But he found a way he could get him to church on a Thursday night. Get him together and share the word of God. Each, each and every one of us is crucial to the plan of God. If we trust him and allow him to direct our steps... It's that knowing that no matter what we face, no matter what we encounter, no matter what we go through, God is still in control that gives us the strength to go through it. I know I'm not alone. Job 19, beginning with verse 23. Y'all know the story. Job went through some stuff. Including having those good friends that came and sat with him for three days. Quiet. And then they started talking. But in Job 19, beginning with verse 23, Job says, Oh, that my words were written, that they were inscribed in a book, that they were engraved on a rock and with an iron pen and lead forever. For I know my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at, at last on the earth. And that my... And After my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. My eyes shall behold and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Job says, I don't know why all this affliction has come upon me. In fact, the whole whole book of, of Job is about that. No, I haven't done anything wrong. No, I haven't done it. Stop telling me I'm sinning. I don't know why this has happened. I wish God would answer me because I'm trying to find out why this is happening. But he said, I know my Redeemer lives. And I know in my flesh I shall see God. Not in others. My eyes shall see him. I know. Job was fully convinced, fully persuaded that no matter what he was facing, God was still God and still worthy of praise. As we go through difficulties and hardships in our lives, as we go through the turmoil, or as we go through the monotony of everyday life, we can know that this is not the end. This far the Lord has been with us, Ebenezer. This far God has, been, has, has helped me. And God has never left me and has never left you. And we stand in that confidence that even though I don't know what tomorrow brings, even though I don't know what this afternoon brings, I know God loves me. I know God is at work in my life. I know God has a plan and purpose. I know that He will cause all things to work together for good because that's what His Word tells me. I know His Word is true because I've walked it out. I've lived it. I've seen it come to pass. Things that wouldn't have imagined. Nineteen ninety six. 
I just bought a car. I had been in jail in Israel and came back to the States and was down in Atlanta, down in Decatur, Georgia. And I bought a car and I'm driving down the road and a car pulls out in front of me, closer than here to that banister, about 10 feet away. And I looked, and I don't know how God did it, but as I drove by, I saw the front end of that car go right past my passenger seat. There was not, no collision. God put two vehicles in the same space. I saw it. I was there. I don't know how he did it. I don't know why he did it. But I know he did it. I know there's nothing too hard for my God. I drove from Atlanta, Georgia to Richmond, Virginia on a quarter tank of gas in the middle of the night with no money. And I got to Richmond, Virginia, and I still had gas in the car. I don't know how God did it, but I know there's no other explanation but that God did it. If God is willing to do such little things, how can I not trust Him with my life? I am fully persuaded that God loves me, even when my circumstances look like something else is going on. Even when there's trouble, even when there's turmoil. I know, I am fully persuaded that God loves me. I am fully persuaded that God is at work in my life. Last passage of Scripture, we'll go to Hebrews. Everybody knows Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. We'll pick up down in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time will, will fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had a trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. God has something better. Scripture says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of man the things the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. Now we just read... Uh, that, that passage there talking about some of the things people went through. Going through tragedy, going through hardships, does not mean God does not love us. Does not mean we don't believe. Does not mean God is not still at work. What it means is, no matter what we face, the good, the bad, the difficult, the exciting, the horrifying, no matter what we face, we are still God. He is still has us in the palm of His hands. And He is still at work.
And if we are convinced of that, if we, if we get that down deep inside of us, we can be like Job. Remember, at the time Job says this, he's still sitting on a pile of ashes with broken pottery scraping the boils. God didn't heal him until after God talked to him. The friends came and sat around him for three days, Job sitting there on a pile of ashes in sackcloth with the boils, and he's scraping his skin with the pot shards, the broken pottery. And after three days, they begin talking with him, and you have the whole book of Job. Job is still sitting in the midst of that. His body is still in torment. He is still destitute. He's lost everything he has except the wife that says, why don't you curse God and die? And he says, you speak as a foolish woman. Shall we receive good from the hand of the Lord and not evil also? Good and not difficulties. Do we? Job says, I'm trusting God. I don't understand what he's doing. I don't understand why he's allowing this. But I still know he is God and his ways are right. And Job says, sitting on that pile of ashes with the broken pottery, in the midst of his turmoil, in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his grief, having lost his children, in the midst of uh, being bankrupt because everything got taken away, in the midst of all of the problems, I know my Redeemer lives. And he will stand on the earth in that last day. And in, though my flesh be decayed, my eyes shall see him. Do we have that confidence that no matter what we face, God is still in control? No matter what we face, God has already said He's going to cause all things to work together for good to them who love Him, to them who are called according to His purpose. Do we still have the faith to believe that even if He takes my last breath right now, I'll be absent from the body and in the presence of the Lord, and I'm still wrapped in His love? Father, we thank You. Thank you, Lord, that no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, you have loved us with an everlasting love. And with your loving kindness, you have drawn us. Through your tender mercies, we are not consumed. But, Lord, you are still at work. So we thank you, Father, for every breath that we have, every opportunity, Lord, to share one with another, every opportunity, Father, to reach out and to be a blessing, every opportunity, Lord, to share your word and to talk about you to, to those around us, every opportunity, Father, just to give praise to your name, for you are worthy of praise. Father, we thank you that we stand in the confidence of knowing that you love us and that you are at work in the circumstances. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And when we leave this world... When we are absent from the body, we step into your presence. And we give praise for that, Lord. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcdt.org.